blesses him in his ministry. In addition to that, we have some sick people today. Uh, I know Brother Chris, I think he's in the hospital, and we need to pray for him. Uh, Sister Tennille, she's uh, sick this morning, so uh, several I know is out with sickness, so let's remember them in prayer. Uh, also this morning, uh, it's uh, hot chocolate Sunday. So I know in the Sunday school they're going to be having hot chocolate. I guess out here, though, uh, we're not going to enjoy that. <laughs> I guess uh, after Sunday school and after church, you're more than welcome, though. But today's lesson, we do have a great lesson today. Um, it's, uh, again, uh, the last few lessons that we've had, they've been very familiar scriptures. If you're a Bible reader, today's no different. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I know we weren't here last Sunday, not able to be here due to weather, but uh, Brother McKinney, uh, he taught on Daniel uh, in the lion's den. It was a great lesson. I enjoyed it, listening to that. And we're going to kind of go back into that, not the lion's den, uh, so to speak, but in Daniel just a little bit to tie into the lesson that we're having today. But our scripture today is Esther 4, chapter 4, uh, 4 through 16. So, verse number 4 says this. So Esther's maids and her chamberlain, chamberlains came and told it her, Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai, or Mordecai, however you would like to say that, and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatosh, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatosh went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And he also gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make requests before him, and before him for her people. And Hattosh came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And Esther spake unto Hattosh, and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. And all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live but I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom 
for such a time as this. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Sushan and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Brother Blaine, would you pray? You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the word. Now, I was given strict instructions today from uh, a member in the congregation. So I'll try not to do that. <laughs> I'll not say who that was. But the story today is about Esther, and you know, it's a story that we've read about and talked about and heard about. You know, if you've been in church any at all, you know about this story. And it's a great story. It's a great story of, of faith and deliverance and, and all those things. And when we read it, it, it builds our faith up. We have that tendency that it builds our faith up. But just as some background to get into this. There were a few things that uh, that happened in this chat in this book before we read today, before chapter four. But we understand that in the book of Esther, there's so many lessons, and I know we've heard a lot of preaching on it. But just as a background, Esther was the daughter of Mordecai's uncle, or Mordecai, or as we would say here, she was Mordecai's cousin. Her Hebrew name was Hadassah, but the name that we hear of and is recorded in the Bible is Esther. Now, both of her parents died, and Mordecai had raised her as his own child, which indicates to me she was probably much younger than Mordecai. In Esther 2, 7 through 7, it says this, Who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took her, took for his own daughter. So Mordecai raised her as his child. So Mordecai and Esther were taken from Israel by the Babylonians. 
after they conquered Israel. So they were removed from the land. They were carried away uh, at that time. But within just a few short years, the Medes and the Persians then conquered the Babylonians under Darius, which was the father of the king that we're talking about today, Ahasuerus, or the Bible also refers to him as Xerxes. Mordecai and Esther then were relocated to the palace at Sushan near the king's court. So that's how they went from Babylon and wound up in the city of Shushan. So they went through a regime change. They were under the rule of the Babylonians. Babylonians were defeated, and then they came under the rule of the Medes and the Persians. As context here, the Medes and the Persians, they were conquering, as they were conquering Babylon, that was recorded in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and he had assumed the throne after his uh, dad had died or his dad's demise, but Belshazzar did not respect the ways of God as Nebuchadnezzar had. Now, if you remember in the Bible story about Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar didn't respect the ways of God either. But God had a way of getting his attention, didn't he? And basically, we would call it going mad today. He went crazy. And he went out in the fields and he was eating grass like a, uh, like a donkey would. And, uh, you know, we would think, if we saw somebody doing that today, we would say, they need to go to the eighth floor down in Pikeville. They need to go to the loony bin. But uh, that's what he did. And he was not in his right mind. God had put that spirit upon him that he wasn't in his right mind. But he had disrespected the ways of God. And so Belshazzar knew all this. That was his son, and he knew this. But yet Belshazzar disrespected the things of God. He was in himself and he was having this drunken party in the palace and he called for them to bring the things from the temple of God. And they started drinking out of those things, those sacred holy things that was in the temple. And they were desecrating the things of God. So it was at this time that the finger of God wrote a message on the wall. Nobody could interpret that message. In Daniel 5, it says this, verse number 23, But hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. This is Daniel talking. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And, has, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, 
and whose are all thy ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written, many, many tekel upsurim. This is the interpretation of the thing. Many, meaning God, have numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Probably the shortest rule of any third ruler ever. Because the next verse says this, In that night, the king of the Chaldeans, the Babylons, was slain. So Belshazzar's kingdom was overthrown, and the Medes and the Persians came in. It was at this time, Mordecai was in Babylon, but then they were carried away unto Shushan after this happened. So this sets the story of Esther. Chapter 1 of Esther is the story of Queen Vashti and her disobedience to the king. Now in the third year of the reign of Ahasuerus, he put on a party that lasted 180 days. 180 days. So you could say he's a party animal. Party like 1999, 1984, or whenever that is. The king requested the presence of the queen during this party, though. He was desiring to show off her beauty, and look what a queen that I have. Well, we don't know the exact reason. The Bible doesn't say why she declined to go. We don't know that. But we also have to understand that this time most marriages were arranged for a certain purpose. Um, a lot of times for political purposes. Special purposes between heads of states and to form alliances and things of that nature. But my guess is Vashti didn't appreciate being asked to come and parade around in front of his drunken friends. I don't know. We don't know that. But the result of that was it was tantamount to rebellion. When the king at that time, the king's word was law. Whatever the king said was law. It didn't matter. But that was rebellion. And the king's advisors theorized that all the women in the kingdom, once they heard about her rebellion, they would rebel against their husbands that they would sympathize with Vashti and that would cause them to rise up and say, hmm, she can do it, I can do it. So they advised him to deal with this fairly harshly. Esther 1, 17 through 20, for this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti, the queen, to be brought in before him, 
but she didn't come. She came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media, Media say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it not that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal state unto another that is better than her, better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. So it became a law. What was that law? Wives had to honor their husbands. We should have that law today. <laughs> but now think about that. Think about that. Just for a minute. In order to, you know, just this little bit of rebellion... She was sent away from the presence of the king, never to see him again, never to be in the presence of the king again. Now, what does that say about us and God's ways? If we rebel against our king, our king Jesus Christ, what are we in danger of? We're in danger of being hooked away from his presence. So the king sent Vashti away, and she came before him no more, the Bible says. Now, when we read this, we tend to think that he immediately went out to get another queen because it's just a few verses in the next chapter. But in actuality, this was in the third year of his reign when he sent Vashti away. But he didn't start searching for a new queen until the sixth year of his reign. So there was three years intervening there when he didn't have someone to replace Vashti as queen. But it was decided and... His advisors advised him what to do, that all the available women would be brought before the king and the king would choose a new queen from them. Now the requirements of this, the queen, is that she had to be a virgin and fair, or we would say beautiful. And the virgin in that day signified purity. So we would say pure and beautiful. And the king's servants gathered all these candidates into the palace at Shushan. I don't know how many there were. There's probably several. And they were prepared for an audience with their king. Now this preparation didn't take place in a couple of days. Anybody know how long that preparation took? One year. They had to prepare for one year for their audience with the king. 
So they prepared for a meeting with the king, and the king in that short period of time, after that year's preparation, would make a decision whether that person was going to be his queen or not. So you were preparing for one year. It was a process called purification in the Bible. This was accomplished by washing and bathing themselves with oils and perfumes to make themselves as presentable as possible and as attractive to the king as possible. And they had advisors that helped them do this, uh, told them what clothes to wear, uh, how to fix their hair, I'm sure. So they had all this that was going on. And it's interesting to me that this process was a prerequisite for them to meet the king. And if we look at that and we say, if that's what it takes to meet the king, what does it take us to meet the king? What does it take us to meet the king? We have to be very similar. We each, those women and us, we each had to leave our life behind. Our old life was gone. And each of us has to go through a cleansing, don't we? We have to go through a cleansing. Now, we may not be able to provide that cleansing for ourselves because we can't remit sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ is what remits our sin and makes us clean and makes us able to come before the throne of grace. But each of these women had to go through a cleansing. And they had to be chosen by the king. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. So against this backdrop is Esther entering the palace. Now, Esther made a, a very good impression on the one responsible for this process. And he gave Esther favor through this whole thing, this whole preparation process. He actually gave her favorable treatment. He put her in one of the best locations. And he gave her all the, the handmaidens that she needed to help her prepare. So we know that Esther made a favorable impression. There was something about her that clicked with this person that this person saw potential in Esther, in her spirit. And we know the story. Esther made an impression on the king when she entered. And the Bible says that the king loved Esther above any of the other women that he had saw. And he made Esther the queen in Vashti's place. This was the seventh year of his reign and four years after Vashti was sent away so all the things that Vashti had Esther acquired now during all this though Esther under the instruction of her cousin hid her true heritage who she was who her people were she hid that Mordecai was concerned that she would be discriminated against because of her heritage because of being a Jew. So Esther continued to hide her identity. 
But we know now is that God was in the arrangements in all of this. We know that God was making his final preparation to protect the people from what was to come. And also we know that a man arose in the king's court. His name was Haman. He was a very wicked man. We all know that. He despised the Jews and he despised Mordecai in particular. Mordecai was known to sit at the gate. And one day, while he was there, he overheard two of the king's chamberlains in a plot to overthrow the king. Mordecai sent word to Esther, who in turn then advised the king, and the plot was averted and thwarted. The assassination was averted. So it was written in the king's record about Mordecai's uh, effort to thwart this. As Haman, though, ascended to power, he was eventually promoted to the head prince. He was over all the other princes in the king's court. And as he would enter the king's gate every day, such a, since he had such a high position, guess what people would do? They wanted to curry his favor. They would bow to him. They would say, oh, Haman, you know, you're way up here. You're, you're a bigger fellow than me. I don't want to make you mad. That is everyone in the gate except one, and that was Mordecai. So the king's people came to Mordecai and said, why are you not bowing to Haman? He's your superior. Mordecai made this response. I thought it was very telling. He didn't explain himself. He just told them, well, I'm a Jew. Like that explained everything. Now, when you say that, what does that mean? Mordecai had to have been around when Daniel was in Babylon. He had to have knew the story of Daniel and the lion's den. He had to have known all that. So he just said, I'm a Jew. In other words, what he was actually saying is, I don't bow to man. I bow to God. So Haman, he became incensed about this, this disrespect that he felt Mordecai was showing him. And Haman's pride ultimately led to his downfall. Now Haman, Haman his background was, the Bible says he was a, 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 a gagatite which I hope I pronounced that right. I probably slaughtered that. But if you remember in the Bible, uh, they are traced back to King Agag and the Amalekites. 
And what was supposed to happen to the Amalekites? Anybody remember that story? Wiped completely out. God told Saul to destroy everything. Men, women, kids, any living thing there, they were supposed to be destroyed. Their flocks, uh, oxen, everything. So it's theorized that Haman came from that lineage. So in Haman's mind, a plot got hatched, a plan made to punish not only Mordecai, but also the entire Jewish population in the kingdom. Since he had the king's ear, he began to sow a seed of discord. How many times have we heard that? Misinformation, as we call that today, don't we? We hear that all the time. Misinformation. But it was intended to deceive the king and influence the king into a decision that was evil. It was diabolically devised and advantageous for only one person. It wasn't advantageous for the kingdom. It was advantageous for Haman. And I'll say, to this, I'll say this to that. We've got to be extremely careful what voice we listen to. If we listen to the wrong voice, we'll make bad decisions. We have to watch who gives us counsel. Who speaks into your life? And you can let a lot of things influence you. You can listen to the radio and let somebody influence you. Things that may be on, on the television, news and social media and all these different things. All that data and information comes in to your mind. The question is, who do you listen to? What do you listen to? Do you listen to the voice of God? Or do you listen to another voice? And that's going to determine whether you're going to be successful in your walk with God or not. But in Haman, he, he went to the king. And guess what the king did? The king was listening to that voice, that evil voice. Now, he sought to destroy the entire Jewish population. Today, we'd call that genocide, we would think. Oh, that's just horrible. We can't allow that to happen. Nobody in civilized society could agree to that. So we have to look at that and we have to say, well, you know, Hitler wasn't the first one by a long shot to attempt to destroy the Jews by genocide. Haman's plan, if it was successful, would have accomplished that. Esther 3, 8 through 11 says this, And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. Talking about the Jews. And their laws are diverse from all people. They're different. They don't think like we do. Neither keep, 
they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. What he was basically saying is these people aren't doing the kingdom any good whatsoever. We're feeding these people. They're taking resources, valuable resources from everybody here that could be used by other people. They're not contributing anything to our society. They need to be wiped out. Verse 9 says this, If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasury. So he was going to pay 10,000 talents of silver for the right to kill all the Jews. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. I hope I said that right. The Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also, to do which do with them as it seemeth good to thee. From that time, Haman's machinations were set in motion. At that time, once the king made that decree, though, it couldn't be undone. It was set in stone. Even the king could not go back and say, we're not going to do this. It was set in stone. Esther 3, 15 through 15, 3, 13 through 15 says, And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month. That probably, if you look back, it's probably Friday the 13th. Which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil from of them for a prey. So what this was saying was anybody in the kingdom that wasn't a Jew could go out and slaughter and murder a Jew. And when you did that, as an incentive, you got to take all their stuff. Anything they had. If they had a house, whatever their belongings were, you could take that. That was basically incentive to, to kill them. A copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan, the palace, and the king and Haman. This, I thought, was very interesting. After all this was done, they, they set this in motion to slaughter these many people. I don't know how many it was, but there were probably thousands. So after that decree was sent out, it says the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Shushan was perplexed. Seems like they were just sitting down to celebrate what they had done. But when the inhabitants of the city of Shushan read this, they were like, what's going on? They were confused. Why would the king do this? Because they probably had Jewish friends. They probably thought a lot of the Jewish people were good people like we do today. 
Why do we have to kill them? But Mordecai, he read this decree and he probably felt some responsibility for, you know, for drawing the ire of Haman upon his people. And he sat down in the gate in sackcloth and ashes. He rent his clothes off. And basically he went into mourning, didn't he? But he was concerned about his fate and the fate of the people and how they could be wiped out, just utterly taken from the face of the earth. But the good news was that God already had in place the pieces to fix this situation. Esther had heard of Mordecai's dress and sackcloth and ashes and his, his mourning. And that's where we picked up and started reading our verses today. She sent him some clothes and said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but here's you some clothes that you can put on. She didn't want him to be a spectacle in the street. But you know what? He refused. And he then talked to the... Uh, um, person who was the go-between between him and Esther, the messenger, and he told him about Haman's plan. And he also told him that Esther needed to, I guess you would say Esther needed to come out of the closet. She needed to stand up and be counted for her people. Nobody knew that she was a Jew, or very few did. But you know what happened? And Esther initially refused that call. She said, I can't go into the king. If I'm not called, I could be killed. Now we have to understand, though, that she was living the life of a queen. She was given maidens to look after her. She didn't have to cook. She didn't have to clean. She didn't have to work in the fields. She probably did have some official duties, uh, but basically the people in the royal court, they had a life of luxury. And as we would, we would become accustomed to that, wouldn't we? We would like that, wouldn't we? We would like to say, hey, go fix me a sandwich. But we, we would get used to that. We would become accustomed to these privileges and we wouldn't want to endanger that, would we? That's just human nature. We're comfortable. And she was comfortable in this bubble that had been created for her. The same as we all would be. But then Mordecai, he reminded her of where she came from. What her heritage was. And he asked her if she thought that she would be spared. 
given that she was also a Jew. And then I think this is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I think we need to turn that around and look at ourselves. We need to say, do we know why we're in the kingdom during such a time as this? Esther found out what her purpose was. She found out why she was in the kingdom at such a time. But what is our purpose in the kingdom during a time like this? God may have set us in a place at a certain time to accomplish his plan. Sometimes we refuse that call, though. Sometimes we don't do that. And a lot of times for the same reasons that Esther didn't want to. We're comfortable where we are. We don't want to move. We want to stay in that comfort zone. We don't want to be outside that. And you know, if you look at the early church in Acts, that's what was happening to them. They wanted to be right around Jerusalem. So the early church was centered around Jerusalem. But what happened? God made a way for them to move. And that way was through persecution. They were persecuted, and therefore, they went out from Jerusalem. Even though we might think at the time that something is very negative and very hard for us. But in God's plan, it's the best thing for us. You know what persecution does for you? It drives you to your knees. And what happens when it drives you to your knees? You become closer to God. We may not like it, and it's not comfortable, is it? It's hard. So the Jewish people in Esther's time was being persecuted by Haman. It was a persecution. But who knows whether thou art coming to the kingdom for a time such as this. Who knows what we're here to do? We each have to examine ourselves and find out what that purpose is. But I'll guarantee you, it's not to stay where you are. Esther got the message that time. She determined to do what she must. So what did she do? She didn't just go to the king. But it was like the first time that she was going to go meet the king. She prepared. She didn't prepare a year. She didn't have a year. But she sent a word back to Mordecai. Have the people fast for three days. Me and my maidens are going to fast for three days. And then I'm going to go and see the king. And she said... If I perish, I perish. 
but I'm going to do the best that I can. And we used to sing that old song. If I die, let me die. I'm going to see the king. So we have to acknowledge the type of courage and conviction that Esther had in her spirit to, to do what she had to do. We have to, we have the knowledge of the end of the story. We have 20-20 hindsight. So it's easy for us to look at that and say, well, you know, that's okay. But could we do what she did? Would we do that? Would we have the conviction to do that? So she was willing to die for her convictions. She was willing to die for her purpose. Are we? Paul said this, Philippians 1, 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And 21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We all know the story. At the end of the fast days, Esther appeared before the king, and the king seeing her, he extended the golden scepter and told her to approach. He didn't only extend the golden scepter, but she was so welcome that he made this statement that she could have anything she wanted up to half of his kingdom. Now that's a pretty big statement. She made an impression. Maybe that's where women get today that they get half of everything in a divorce. Maybe not. It's just an observation. <laughs> but this was very unusual for women in those days. Women didn't own property. They didn't have property rights. They couldn't go out and buy a piece of property. They didn't have a right to vote. They didn't have any representation in any political matters. They were basically told, Sit down and shut up. Basically. But you know, God had a purpose. And Esther, though, in her wisdom, after fasting for three days, she didn't ask for half of his kingdom. She could have right then said, hey, Haman is trying to kill all of us, and you need, you need to do something about it. He probably wouldn't have been receptive to that. But she didn't ask for half of his kingdom. She didn't ask for any property. She didn't ask for any of these types of things, jewels and rubies and diamonds and money or wealth, more handmaidens to take care of her. 
She just asked him to come to a party the next day. Now, we've already established that he's a party animal. How could he refuse? So he was amenable to that. And she said, oh, by the way, bring Haman with you. So actually that was the same day that she wanted him to come that day. So Haman was just so proud to be invited by the queen to her special get-together with the king. He was the only person that was getting to come. He thought he was in good shape. But she didn't ask for anything but the king's time. So Haman and the king appeared before Esther, and she served them uh, what the Bible says, a banquet of wine. And the king again asked her what her request was, and she said that she just wanted him and Haman to come to a feast she was going to prepare the next day. And then she would make her petition known. At that time, the snare was set for Haman. So Haman went home. You know what he was doing? He was bragging to his wife about how the queen had invited him to come to a special dinner with just her and the king. How way up here he was. That stoked his ego. He was special. But you know what happened, God, being in the midst and in the moving of this? The king couldn't sleep that night. Now, do you think he could not sleep just because he had insomnia? I don't believe that. He couldn't sleep because God didn't allow him to. So he called for the book of the records to be brought, and he read about Mordecai's service to him. And he said, what, what have we done for this man? And they said, nothing. We haven't done anything for him. So Mordecai, they wanted to honor Mordecai, and he asked Haman, what should we do for this man? Guess what Mordecai said? He said, this man, thinking that the king was talking about himself or talking about Haman, this man should be put on the king's horse. He should be given the king's robes and he should be paraded around the city with somebody proclaiming how great he is. The king said, that's good. I like that. You go take my robe, take my horse, and put it on Mordecai and parade him around the city. Now think about that. He was wanting to kill Mordecai, but yet he had to parade him around the city and proclaim that he's the king's favorite. So that was a dose of reality. We would call that poetic justice or irony. But, it, you know, we think, you know, Haman went away way depressed and angry about that, and he went to his family and he said, hey, uh, this happened to me. I'm just so down about this. And actually, somebody told him, said, you're not going to win this. Prophetically speaking, 
you're not going to win this. So it was about to get a whole lot worse for Haman. Haman and the king came to the banquet that Esther prepared. The king was in very high spirits. And this is what the Bible says. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. And the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. And Haman was afraid before the king and queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine, in his wrath went into the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw there was evil determined against him by the king. He was caught in a snare of his own making. And we all know the, the rest of the story. The rest of the story was that Haman had prepared a gallows for Mordecai. That gallows was 75 feet high. And he wanted to hang Mordecai where all the people could see. He wanted him up there where people would know that he was the person responsible for Mordecai's death. But again, poetic justice, Mordecai survived, but Haman was the one that was hung on his own gallows. And that's how God works. God takes the simple and confounds the wise. But after that, Mordecai was then elevated to the chief prince in the kingdom. He became a trusted advisor to the king. But now, since that the decree or the law could not be rescinded even by the king at least the Jewish people at that time could defend themselves they were given weapons and told they could defend themselves and actually um, there is a holiday a Jewish holiday now that still celebrates this it's called the day of Purim and this celebrates uh thing, the incidences that occurred on this day, and how that the Jewish people survived this evil plot against them. Now, we all go through adversities, don't we? We all do. We all have them. Whether it's sickness, whether it's something that happens in your family, job situation, uh friends or neighbors or, or it's just life we all have battles to fight don't we sometimes we have demons outside sometimes we fight with demons inside we all go through things that are painful and hard but you know what our flesh doesn't want to do that don't want to go through that pain does it 
Brother Larry just walked in. Appreciate him being here. And I'd say if you talk to him, he would say, I didn't want to have knee surgery and the pain that followed. But to get to the other side of that, you had to do that. So our flesh doesn't want to go through that. But we know that God always has a plan. We may not understand what that plan is. And a lot of times we don't. We can't see the forest for the trees, as they say. I don't. Sometimes I don't understand what happens. I look back through my life and I can see many things that's happened that I, was, I didn't understand at the time. But years later, it becomes clear. Years later, you understand that God was moving in the situation to get you where you are. And I'll say this, there's always a plan of escape. Always. For God's people, there's always a plan of escape. God's always set up a way for you to escape the hands of the enemy. The enemy cannot harm you more than you are able to bear. The plan is already in motion for our salvation. It's up to us whether we accept that or not. Our salvation is sure. It's set in stone. The salvation that Esther had through the plan that God had set up, Esther's salvation was determined upon her being led of the Lord. She had to put some action to her words. And that's the same way we have to be when we serve God. We have to put action to the words that God gives us. And if we don't do that, we're not inside the will of God. You know, we have things that God expects us to do here. There's a purpose for us being here. There's a purpose that you live in the time that you live. If you're outside of your usefulness to God, you might as well go on and be in heaven. And that's just the way that, that I feel about it. You know, we... If we're down here, we're here for a purpose. When that purpose is done, we'll be called home. But just like the apostles and Paul and, and Peter and, and all those, even Jesus Christ when he was here. Jesus Christ was here for only 33 years. His ministry was three years, three and a half years, something like that. When that purpose was done, what happened? When it was completed, he ascended back to heaven. And that's the way we are. We have a purpose here. There's a reason we're here. God doesn't have a fleshly body here. Guess who that is then? That's each of us. 
The Bible says we're the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. We are his eyes. We are his ears. We are to be here, be about our Father's business. We are to be the body of Christ. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Caleb. Praise the Lord. Let's give Brother Keith and the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Brother Keith always does an awesome job at teaching and breaking down the word uh, from what I was able to hear. Uh, it was an awesome lesson. I love the story of Esther. love the story of Esther. There's so much packed into that. And I'm sure any, any teacher, any, study, any person that studies the word could agree that you could just have a long conversation about the book of Esther and the things that she went through and the trials that she was put through. But someone that loves to talk about Esther is my wife. She could, she could get into Esther. She loves, loves that story. So if you ever have a chance, talk to her about Esther. She loves to talk about it. But something that Brother Keith was just saying is that there's always a plan of escape for the Lord's people. And what people don't realize is that God is that plan. Jesus is always the door of escape. No matter whenever, no matter the situation, whenever you look at Exodus, meaning exit, whenever you look at the children of Israel and they were stuck in Egypt, Jesus was the plan of exiting. So whenever we're stuck in a situation, whenever we're somewhere, we need a way of escape. Remember, Jesus is your way out. Amen. Amen. As the children begin to come back in today, we're excited to begin to transition into our main service. Are there any birthdays or anniversaries here today? Because we would love to get to celebrate with you. Go ahead. I know there's a couple. Uh, Deacon for one, literally just turned one. So we're excited. We're going to get to put in his. Hannah kept saying, uh, we're going to put in his pennies today. I said, you mean his penny? His penny. He's one. He's turning one. So we're excited. The little Deacon. He's a oneness apostolic baby. Amen. That's that his joke. That's a good joke. We have a couple little ones that are getting a little older. Love that. Amen. As Brother Dwayne always says, it's better than the alternative. Absolutely. Ran into an older gentleman the other day. I said, hello, how are you? He said, I'm doing good. He said, I'm, I'm not pushing up daisies, so I'm doing great. You got to come up here so we can sing happy birthday. Three years old. Wow. I know we have, a, we have a, at least one more. They're like me. They have too much energy to stand in one spot. Deacon is excited, starting to walk all over the place. He's going to sow gummies to the Lord, praise the Lord. He's gotten real good at grabbing stuff, still having a, a problem letting go. <laughs> Y'all come up here so we can sing happy birthday to you. 
happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus here every day of the year. A happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. And the Stopped it. Oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Love to see the children dancing in, in the altar. That's where they should be at. Dancing in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if at this time, if you have any money or any seed that you would like to sow into the Lord, give it to a child and let them bring it up right now. teaching the children the right way, teaching them that it's, it's fun to give, it's expected to give, and you're blessed by giving. Amen? Amen. Oh, she has a little more. Praise the Lord. Lord. All right. All right. Let's give our little helpers a hand clap. Praise the Lord. We have a few announcements that we'd like to be mindful of this morning. Uh, of course, the first announcement is Pastor is out of town. Uh, he is preaching out. He goes to uh, a certain place every year and he preaches. And uh, he loves to be able to go and minister. So we love to give him that opportunity. Just because he's gone doesn't mean we don't have church. Because the Lord still shows up in this place. Amen. We want to make our pastor proud by knowing that we can still come to the house of the Lord and we can still have a move of God. Amen. With that being said, keep him in your prayers and anyone that travels with him. Keep them in your prayers as they travel home. We want them to make it safely back to Phelps, Kentucky. Amen. Someone say hot chocolate. Hot chocolate Sunday. We have had a few beautiful ladies in the church that were willing to take some time and take some effort and put together this awesome hot chocolate bar in the back of the church. It is in the fellowship hall after service today. Go back there. Enjoy the, the fruits of someone else's labor. They have put together this hot chocolate bar for people to come to enjoy it, to fellowship. Make sure if you see them to tell them thank you. Okay. Uh, but before that, anybody that is wanting to go to KYC, that is hyphen and youth. Whether you're the parents needing to talk for your, your children or hyphen, we need to meet with you very briefly after church, okay, just for a few minutes. Do not leave 
because we need to try and get a head count of who's wanting to go to KYC. With that being said, just a couple other announcements. Section 3 Youth Rally is going to be this Friday, February 2nd at 7.30 p.m. at Grayson UPC, Grayson, Kentucky. Get with me if you're wanting to go so I know uh, what, we, what arrangements we need to make with the van. Uh, that, again, that is this Friday coming up at 7.30. We also have men's meeting coming up the first Monday of the month, February 5th at 6 p.m. That is not tomorrow, but the next Monday, so be excited. Bring a friend, men. Bring, uh, bring somebody with you that's excited to learn about the word of the Lord. Amen. KYC 2024, we just talked about it. It is Friday through Saturday on February 16th and 17th. It's at the Northeast Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And the speaker is going to be John Carson. Uh, we're excited for what the Lord is going to do in the presence of a bunch of young people. Amen. KYC is an opportunity for someone to get a hold of something that will change their life forever. So we want our young people, we want us to be a part of KYC 2024. Uh, we have a Section 3 conference coming up in February, 20, uh, February 22nd and 23rd. And then, of course, last but not least, on Wednesday nights, youth, listen, Wednesday nights, we have youth night. It is in the Casey Wing upstairs. That is for, I believe it's seventh grade, seventh grade up. Seventh grade up. The, okay. There are classes for the other the students, the younger students, but seventh grade up to 18 will be in the Casey Wing with Sister DeBarge and myself. This is an opportunity for us to be real, for us to learn about the Word of God, for us to begin to say, uh, plant seeds of understanding and love for the Word of the Lord. So make sure to be here and bring your friends with you because we want to begin to grow, compel them to come in that his house may be filled. Amen? Amen. We have just a few more uh, announcements in the sense of prayer request. We have an ongoing list. It continues to grow, but we know a God that is greater than any need. We know a God that is bigger than any list. Amen. We have a few uh, people we want to keep in our prayers. Melissa Baker's dad. Keep Melissa, Melissa Baker's dad in your prayers. Pastor Alan Crabtree. Uh, Viola Bradshaw. Alan Bradshaw. Cordelia Vogel. Skyla Charles. Uh, Marion Sanders. Logan Stiltner. Gerald Taylor. Kathleen Tackett. She is in critical condition. I'm not aware fully of the situation, but we know that she needs a touch from the Lord. Uh, Brother Keith Bartley is on here. So glad to see him here. Uh, keep him in your prayers. And, of course, Chris Justice. Uh, he has had a heart stint put in. He messaged me this morning that he's feeling kind of weak. So make sure to keep him in your prayers. And if you get a moment today, reach out to him. Let him know that you missed him, loved him. And anyone else that's not here, look around. If you notice someone's not here, reach out to them. Let them know that, your bro that their brother or sister's, you know, thinking about them. Amen. 
At this time, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to move directly into the word of the Lord. Lord, we come before your presence, and we ask that you begin to touch some hearts today, begin to touch some minds, begin to rearrange some things. Lord, when you speak, things begin to have to change to become fact and become reality. Lord, begin to speak into the hearts and into the minds of every person under the sound of my voice, uh, every person that is sick and shut in. Lord, begin to reach to where they are. Let them feel your anointing, God. Let them feel the boldness of the presence of the Lord right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for all those that are sick and afflicted, all those that are dealing with terminal and sicknesses. God, we ask that you would touch their bodies, touch their minds, and touch their hearts. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 Quickly, directly into the word of the Lord. It says Mark 5 and 34. And he said unto her, this is Jesus speaking, daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus was talking to the woman with the issue of blood. She understood one thing. I am in pain. I'm hurting. Doctors can't help me. They told me there's no hope. But if I can get into the presence of Jesus, if I can just get a touch but the hem of his garment, Church, if you're holding on to a, if you're holding on by a thread, let it be the thread of His garment. If you're struggling, just get to the presence of Jesus, because it doesn't matter how much pain you are dealing with. Jesus is the exit. Jesus is the escape. He is the opportunity for escape. Hallelujah! Church, healing is in this place. Healing is here. It is up to you to receive it. It is up to you to choose to receive it. Listen, Jacob was facing a dark time in his life. He was terrified, facing a situation of unsurety, uncertainty. And he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, before dawn come up, he he touched the hollow of his hip and dislocated it, causing pain in his life, but yet he didn't let go. He said, I'm going to wrestle through the pain until I get my blessing. Some of you are dealing with some pain right now, but keep wrestling because you understand holding on to Jesus is where you get your blessing. Healing is in this place. Would you join us today where you can get your healing? Would you come to the front and let the Lord begin to move on your heart, move on your soul and your spirit? Let God begin to inhabit the praise of His what Brother Caleb's saying. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever you have need of, saints of God, he's here. I speak to the mountain, be removed. See, saints of God, I want to tell you, somebody was talking, Brother Caleb. I was sitting and thinking, Satan don't want us to think that we have any power. You see, I'm not the healer. Amen. But he's placed something in me, Brother Keith. Amen. A faith. Amen. Hallelujah. That my healer, amen, is living, amen. Sister Daniel, she's sick, but I know she's listening. Your healer, amen, is alive and well. Brother Larry, Sister Racine, I thank God for you. We've missed you here at Cornerstone. Amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. God's power is real, saints of God. Amen. He's real, amen. Hallelujah. So when you pray that prayer for that lost loved one, When you ask God to fill your children with the Holy Ghost, amen. When you pray for that worker, amen, at work, Brother Caleb, 
that's giving you trouble. Amen. We've all got them. Amen. But I pray, faith believing that my God's going to move. Amen. My healer is here. My deliverer is here. My freedom, amen, is in this place. And his name, y'all say it with me, is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if you believe that, come to the front and worship with us, will you? Hallelujah. Get somebody on your heart today. Church, do you really believe it? My healer is here. Healing is here. Here's the important part. And I receive it. Come on, let's sing that first part again. Healing. Just reach out and grab it. Healing is here. And I believe it. Come on, if you believe it, sing this chorus with us. I reach my
sickness can stay in me longer. Oh, your perfect love is casting out Look to you, my 
Healing is in this place right now. Every hand in this building is lifted right now. Begin to let the Lord move in this place. This is a church of faith. A church that puts our faith in the Lord, the healer in the great position. Let go of the pain that you've been holding on to. And grab a hold of the healer. Trusting. 
Let's sing that one more time together, church. Oh, Lord, I reach my hands to the heavens. If my eyes where my help comes from, I look to you, my rock, my healer, I trust in you. Many's putting their faith, their trust in the Almighty God. Many, many, many times I sang that song sometimes in person. And I'm not saying, saints of God, it's about me. If y'all know me, you know better than that. Because without Him, I am nothing. Hallelujah. But many, 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 many times I sung that song to my dad. Sometimes over the phone, Brother Caleb. Sometimes in person. And I watch God move. Why? Because God is a rewarder of those that diligently, amen, seek Him, that diligently serve Him, that diligently ask, and He shall move. I believe that, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We get ready to sing this next song. If y'all got some offering, it's offering time, I guess. You come up. Take up the offering. Give to the Lord. Amen. I know we're just talking about money, but I'm talking about giving right now with all that you have. It's more than about monetary things. It's more than about money. Give all that you have, and he'll give back. Amen. What does the word of God say? He'll pour it over you, Sister Joy, heaping, barrels full, more, Sister Nicole, than you can bear, more than you can tell this world about Brother Jim, he's been a good, good God. He's been a great God. Amen. And he'll give. Hallelujah. Pray with us on the In the name of Jesus, God, we come before you once again, God, thanking and praising you, God, that you've given me the 90. Amen. That I may return the 10 back to you, God. Because I believe, Lord God, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. I found that to be true, God. And I thank you, God, and I pray that you would bless this offering to meet the needs of the ministry, God. But more than anything, bless those that's brought an offering to you of worship and praise here today, God, that we worship you. Sing, sister. Every word he 
this old dreaded disease called diabetes. Amen. But Brother Josh, I'm going to see victory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to Sister Emily, I'm going to have victory. Amen. It's not going to have victory over me. Hallelujah. Y'all remember the prayer request from earlier? Brother DeBarge gave out by the uplifting of hands. If you've got any more prayer requests, I believe in prayer, don't you? I believe that God is faithful and just. I believe he hears every plea. I believe he sees every tear because that's what his word says. Amen. And he will answer. Sister Anita, he will answer. And I believe it. Amen. We 
go before the Lord and pray for every uplifted hand, like Brother McKinney says. Amen. That's a perfect example. This church believes. Brother Petey, I believe, don't you? In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you remember every name, God, that you would move upon every name, God. The ones that might maybe sometimes circumstances I don't know about and don't need to know about, God, but you do, God. Every uplifted hand, God, is an example of faith, God. And we believe in you, God, that you are our healer, our help, God, and you're the lifter up of our head, God. Our deliverer, God, most of all, you're our salvation, God. We give you praise for every name that is called. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up, oh, thank you, Lord, till I lay my head, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Come on, praise with me a little bit, church. All my life. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. The goodness of God. I love your voice. Oh, amen. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have in the goodness of God. Come on, proclaim it all your life. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I have made, I will Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now.
means tell this world, amen. When David sung the many, 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 many things that he wrote, I believe some of them was declarations, many, well they're all declarations, amen. I believe some of them was songs, because it says songs, it says hymns, don't it brother, amen, hallelujah, and I believe many times David was just trying to tell the world, Sister Pam of how great that his God was, amen. The many, many times that he delivered him, amen, from the giant, amen. How many's ever been delivered from a giant? I've faced some things in my life, Brother Jerry, that I knew that I could not get through on my own, amen. And we're getting ready to have a special song. Every song's special, special. It's my special brother. Somebody said this morning he was special. He is special, ain't he? Amen. And I want... If this ain't out of order, and I don't mean to embarrass nobody, but I want to give God, first of all, and Brother Larry and Sister Racine a hand clap. So good to look back and see them. Amen. I'm not sure who's taller, but I'll tell you what, brother, I sure look up to you. Amen. Both of you. Amen. And I thank God for His grace, don't you? You ready to sing, brother? I need to shut up. Thank God, my 
you're thankful for that he washed you by his blood let's give the Lord another hand clap amen because I'm a man that believes that we can't praise him enough I'm sure many times maybe my friends or my family they probably get tired of hearing about me telling about the, the goodness and the greatness and the graces of my Lord and so, but there's one thing about it church I never sister Barb I never get tired of telling they may get tired of healing hearing them, but, but I never get tired of telling them, amen, because I believe what it says. The Word of God tells us in Revelations we're overcomers by the first thing, the blood, amen, Brother Keith, and so that lets me know, Brother, brother, brother uh, Duff, that there's something that he wants us to do, right? Amen, that he's instilled something in. He wants us to tell the world about it. Amen, because he says you're overcomers. Amen, by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. So when the devil says that you ain't got no power, start testifying to him. The devil, I'm going to tell you right now that I got power because God's done this for me. He's done that for me. Amen. What about the woman Amen, that touched the hem of his garment. What did he tell her? What did he tell her, brother? He said, by your faith. Amen, your faith. So it's something to do with you. We got to believe. We got to trust. We got to have faith. Amen. He says, by your faith. So next time something the devil starts beating you down, tells you, ain't nothing you can do, you're stuck. Says, the word of God tells me by my faith. I'm made whole. 
by my words, I'm healed. I'm overcomer because of my testimony. Amen. Amen. I was all that was just free. Inspired by the Lord. I just I try to do what He what He leads me to do. Sometimes nerves get in my way. Sometimes. But today ain't that day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. I was in my prayer closet this morning. How many knows that confession is good for the soul? So I'm being straight up with you. And I was praying. And I believe prayer is not only the foundation. How many knows what a foundation is? Foundation is what you, brother, before you ever start putting any wood, you've got to have a foundation, don't you? Prayer is our foundation. But I'm telling you, we should never lay that foundation and then don't worry about it. Amen. Y'all can sit down for a moment. I just feel something. I've got some words wrote down in some scriptures, but I just feel something in the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? Amen. Hallelujah. If I start going by my notes, I start getting worried, don't you? And I start to say, hey, I may forget something. Amen. But as long as he's leading me, we'll go with that. Amen. Foundation is important, saints of God. What you lay, amen, and you start building on is important. I'll never forget working with my dad. I enjoyed working with my dad. Amen. So much. Hallelujah. He taught me many things. I mean, those the Father can teach you many things. Amen. If you just allow him to. Amen. We were doing what they call government spec houses. You, you all that know about building know what I'm talking about. We'd take our drywall pans and our stilts and go from one to the next. One was ready. We'd do it fast as we could, Brother Jim. Habitat for Humanity, y'all remember them? We'd go to the next one. I'll never forget a man that was so greedy is all you could say that he wouldn't even allow the foundation to set up and get strong. And Dad laughed. He said, he said, look out there. He said, they're putting the wood to that foundation and the mortar was squeezing out in the blocks. It wasn't even set up. But that was what he advertised, footer to finish in 30 days. Saints of God, sometimes it takes time to build something right. You've got to be strong in the Lord before you start moving on. Amen. See, your first night up here, I'll use me for an example. My first night at the altar, Brother DeBarge, he didn't put me up behind the pulpit. My first night at the altar, he didn't put me, you know, up to praying for other people. See, Brother Jim, I wasn't strong enough yet. Why? Because it, it's him in you, amen, that gives us strength. By his glory, by his power, and by his sweet Holy Spirit is the way that you and I have strength to move on, amen. If you move on before it's time for you to move on, it takes time, amen, you'll crumble. And as we watched out the window, Brother Keith, I'd never seen that before. Literally, the mortar was squeezing from the weight out of those blocks. And I remember reading about some, some of the houses having trouble, foundation trouble. I don't want foundation trouble, do you? Amen. I want to be founded in Him. All my hope, like the words of the song says, is in Jesus. Amen. All my yesterday's gone. Many, many, many songs that we sing down through the years that, that, are, that, that, that just stick with us, don't they? I can, you know, when I can't remember nothing sometimes, I can remember a song. Amen. Hallelujah. And the songs bring back word to me. Amen. See, I, I, I've got music playing constantly. I love music, don't you? I've got, 
I spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars putting songs on my phone because I like music. It moves me. It'll keep you in a, a good mood. Amen. How many believes it'll, it'll lift your spirits? Amen. Many songs wrote about hands. And the title to my message, if the Lord would let, let me deliver this to you, are these hands. Everybody look at your hands just for a moment. Your hands can tell tales about your life. If you work behind a computer, I know, I know my daughters punch a computer a lot. You think that ain't hard. It's hard on you. It may even literally punch you sometimes. Amen. But it's hard on you. But it tells tales. You look at your father's hands. How many remembers their father's hands? They were rough. Because most of our fathers didn't sit behind a desk, did they? They were hard workers. They worked in the mines or they done construction or, or whatever that they done with their hands. Amen. Their hands were worn. Amen. Many songs about hands, about nail-scarred hands. Can't even walk without you holding my hand. And they even out in the country, they wrote a song about daddy's hands. Y'all remember hearing that song? Little confession, it's all right, amen. Every now and then we hear those, amen. Amen. But you, you hold your children with these hands. And these hands are a representation of, of who you are. Look at your hands and say, these hands. Sometimes these hands have to get harsh. Brother, there'll be times, and it'll be hard on you, that you'll have to show tough love to a little deacon. Amen. It's hard to do. Amen. But we want to train the child up. Amen. But I didn't come here to preach on that. Amen. Sometimes these hands will have to reach out to someone. I remember uh, uh, one time coming home, coming home from work, we watched a truck slide over in the creek, and it was like it is now, you know, snowing and raining, and the creeks were up. And he slid off the road into the creek, and he went on his side, on the driver's side into that creek. And without thinking, you know, because God's instilled something in us, brother. Amen. We don't want to see anybody. We don't have to know them. We don't have to know them. We don't even have to like them. Amen. But we want to help. Amen. See, God's instilled that. Everything good comes from God. Amen. Now, I remember me and my buddy and dad, we pulled over. Dad was trying to get off the, out of the uh, road and out of the way, so we were the first ones out. We jumped down on that truck, and the water was rushing through the back window, I remember. We didn't even think about it. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to lift me up, but I'm saying you'll do things, amen, without even thinking about it because God's instilled something in you as a child of God and even as a, as a, as a father and as a mother, you have human nature, amen, to help your children, don't you? Amen. And we, we pulled on the door till we got it open. And when we opened it up, the smell of alcohol was so strong. I mean, as soon as we opened the door, brother, we didn't smell the, the old nasty creek water first. We didn't smell the inside of the truck or the man, but we smelled alcohol. You know, we could have turned around and said, well, you know, and I've heard statements like this is what's sad about people that should know better. And they you know, uh, well, well, it, well, it's an old alcoholic or an old dopehead. How many's ever heard that? I try to break myself of those sayings, brother. I try to break myself. You know what, what we need to do and say, hey, it's life, brother Jimmy Dove. Hey, man, it's somebody struggling as the waters of life was rushing over top of him. Amen. But we jerked the door open. We got down in there with him, and we pulled him out, and we saved his life. These hands. 
They don't tell that by looking at them. Amen. But saints of God, as a child of God, you'll go through some things. Amen. You'll see some things. Amen. It may not always show on the outside. Amen. But you'll go through some things in life that'll scar you sometimes on the inside. Remember dad, his hands were rough. He worked a whole lot. So he didn't have to take hold of me a whole lot. But when he did, Brother Keith, I remembered it. His hands were strong and they were rough. Most of the time that was mom's job. She done a good job at it, let me tell you. Not many times, Sister Pam, did I slide things by her. Amen. These hands. Acts chapter 20. If y'all would turn there with me. Verses 27, maybe through about 33 or 36. Acts chapter 20, thank you for standing for the word, amen. I'm getting to that stage where I can see better with a mouth. Chapter 20 and verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not shy to tell you the word of God. Amen. He says, take heed, verse 28, therefore unto yourselves and... See, it ain't just about me, me. They ain't no I in team, are they? It's about us. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, you're my overseer. Brother, I'm your elder, but you're my overseer. Amen. When you're behind this pulpit, amen, he's our overseer. It don't matter if he's 12, 20, or 120. Amen. We're all overseers, amen, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. I mean, knows just as soon as you have a good service and you get out those doors sometimes before, amen, if you answer your phone call, I don't like to answer phone calls in church. Do you? Or you answer your messages, it'll start before. Amen. I remember a, me- a, f- a message that I got one, one night, brother, when I was bossing over here. You all can be seated. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Thank you for standing. Amen. But I remember a message that I got when I was over at Allen Creek, Boston. And it wasn't a good message. I seen it flash up over my phone. My wife sitting beside that message. I'm not answering that. It's about work. A few minutes later, she she done something wise. She knew I wouldn't answer a phone call or a message when I was in church. Because saints of God, I take it this serious. If I'm goofing around in the back, now now you I'm not I'm not coming here to preach on you for doing that. But I'm just saying this. This ain't in my notes. If you want to check them, if I'm a goofing around in the back, or I'm a diddling around on my phone, or I'm a walking around the parking lot goofing around, I'm scared to death, brother, that you may preach something, or that brother McKinney may say something, or whoever else he has, and I may miss it, and I may miss out. Now, that's my, my mindset. You can think I'm crazy all you want, but I'm that serious about it. Amen? Now, I'll goof and cut up where you want to, Brother Jim. Amen? I'll goof and cut up where you all you want to after church and sometimes before. But saints of God, this is serious business that we got right here. We better know and we better be willing. 
We better be have boldness and be willing to be an overseer. When you see, if you see my child doing something, my children are 25 and 26 now. I beg of you to warn them, especially spiritually, amen. If you see them doing something, I beg of you to tell them, amen. And they may call you a tattletale, but if they don't, if they don't straighten up the first time, take a witness. And I tell you to bring me. I'll go to them with you, amen, because I love them that much. Amen. I pray, Brother Keith, that you love me that much. And when you're up here teaching these lessons, don't hold back. Amen. If you feel the Holy Ghost moving upon you, Brother Caleb, don't hold back. Amen. If you feel God telling you to call someone out, and it's my family or me, don't hold back. Amen. I don't want any blood on these hands. Amen. Do you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. Go back to the story that I was telling. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I got that text message that said, call me. And it was, it was one of the main men at work. I told my wife, I said, I ain't going to do it. Said, this is church. She said, but you're a boss. You're over them. She said, what if something bad's happened? What if somebody's got hurt and you don't answer the call? You see, we're held to these standards. We've got to, don't we? Amen. When you see these things, we've got to. Amen. So I waited there a few more minutes, and another message came through, and I went outside, and I answered. And they told me, said, lay all the men off. I said, do what? He said, lay all the men off but you and the night shift boss. He said, we're having a layoff. I said, listen, my son-in-law sitting in his service, and I'm not going to tell him. I said, it ain't going to make a difference to the men if I do it at 7.30 or if I do it at 9.30. I said, I go to church on Wednesday nights. I said, I told you all that before I started this job. I said, and this night belongs to, I said, I'll tell him after a while. I said, I'm not running his saints of God. There's nothing worth running your service, amen. There's nothing worth you getting your deliverance, amen. There's nothing worth you getting your healing, amen. Amen, it can wait till after church. Now, I know emergencies happen, I know that. Amen. I know things happen beyond our control. And I'm not talking about those. Amen. But I'm talking about how detrimental is this place to you. How detrimental to your life. How important is it to you. Amen. That you pray through for, your, for my mother-in-law. Amen. Hallelujah. And my brother-in-law and my family. Amen. It's important that I be here every service that I can. And I'm not harping on that neither. I promise you none, none of this so far is really in my notes, amen, but the verses I started out with. But amen, I don't want anybody's blood on my hands. Hallelujah. So take heed, amen. 29 says, For I know this, that after my departing shall be grievous wolves. The devil, he's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Also of your own self shall men arise, Speaking perverse things. Now, Brother Keith taught on this this morning, and I believe you even touched on it. You know, everything that is said, God, God will use the evil and turn it for good. I believe that. But, but Brother Keith, we don't need to listen to every voice. Amen. And you say that this morning. We don't need, watch who's speaking into your life, saints of God. Watch who you've got preaching, amen, over your life and speaking into your life. Amen. Would you... The Lord praise. Amen. I'll ask you this, and by no means am I talking about anybody that lives in the shack. 
But would you go in a shack beside the road that has no power, amen, has no vehicle in the driveway, and knock on the door asking them for financial advice? And by no means am I talking down on nobody. Amen. Would you go to somebody who's been divorced 12 times and say, would you counsel me and my wife in our marriage? And by no means am I speaking against people who's been divorced. Brother McKinney teaches us, and he's right. Bad things happen to good people. But I'm saying, amen, would you ask somebody that's made a shambles of things, amen, to help you get your life lined out? Amen. Would you ask somebody, amen, their opinion on something, Brother Keith, when you knew, amen, that they had destroyed everything that their hand had touched? No, I want somebody, amen, and we're none perfect. Let me tell you, we're none perfect. Amen, but I want somebody, amen, hallelujah, over me that is infallible. And this word right here is infallible. I'm going to tell you what you can do. You can search it front to back, and you'll not find not one single contradiction. You'll not find not one single lie. You'll not find not one bad piece of advice. You'll not find not one word that'll lead you astray. Amen. And I thank God for that. Amen. And I thank God that he's placed it in my heart. Hallelujah. Also of your own self shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. They, they use some pretty, some pretty good words. Amen. I'm like Paul. I don't have no fancy words. I don't have no eloquent words. But what I have is the word of God. Amen. You better watch when people come to you with big eloquent words. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn you. See, if we don't preach what we're led to preach up here, Brother Caleb, the blood is on our hands. Amen. If we don't preach what God has put on our hearts, amen, the blood is on our hands. And I want to share something with you right here. I've never been a big dreamer. Her brother, Brother McKinney, laughed one time. He said, you know, if you dream a lot, after you go to bed, you probably eat some pizza or something. Probably eat something that's keeping you up, making you toss and turn. And that, that could be true. But I believe sometimes God gives us a warning, don't you? Amen. And God's been speaking to me a lot about the hands. Amen. I have dreams about different ones in the community, different ones in church. Amen. And, and, and some, of them, some of them, their hands are torn up. Some of them, their hands have been into mischief. Amen. I have, I have dreams here lately about people in the church. Amen. And sometimes, amen, I see their hands. And their hands are running to mischief. Amen. And their hands are doing evil things, saints of God. I'm telling you right now that it's no time, amen, to be using your hands or your heart or your mind, amen, for mischief and for evil. Amen. Because this is the end time. Amen. Hallelujah. And time is truly at hand. Amen. Do you all believe that? Look at your neighbor and say, time is at hand. Amen. I believe it. We've just got a short time. Listen at verse 31. It says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn you every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or, or apparel. He didn't desire those worldly things, did he? He didn't want those worldly things. He says, yea, ye yourselves know that 
These hands, look at somebody and say, these hands have ministered unto, unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Amen. So not just me alone, but my family. And not just my family, brother, but your family. Amen. And your family. Amen. And my neighbors. Amen. You see, I don't, I don't want to be stingy with this gospel. I don't want to be stingy with this truth. I want to share it with my coworkers to as many that will receive it. Amen. Hallelujah. And to them that were with me, I have showed you all things. How that so laboring, laboring is to work. Am I right, brothers? Laboring means to work. Amen. When you labor, you, your brow starts sweating. Amen. And I make a joke sometimes. I said, you know, I run this loader 10, 11, sometimes extra hours a day. And, and if I sweat, I just reach over and hit the dial. Crank it back a little, brother. But it's a shame that spoils you is what that does. You get lazy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing something with you here. I'm confessing a little bit. A little bit of manual labor would probably kill me, brother. It'd probably put me under. But see, we got to labor, amen. It's talking for the gospel. Amen. We got to be workers for the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and we've said it before, Brother McKinney and Sister McKinney can't do it all. Me and Brother Caleb and, and, and brother, brother Keith can't do it all. Amen. But we need you to help. Amen. You've all been called to be witnesses. Look up what it means to be saved, what it means to be a Christian. Do a little study, I challenge you, amen. You've everyone been called to be witnesses. We was talking about this in the men's meeting, how, how some of us have different, different turns, you know. Brother Jim, Jim Dove, I, don't, I, I can use you, can I? Yeah. If you don't like it, I'll pull you. Never mind. Never mind. Brother Jim Dove don't meet a stranger. He can talk to anybody. Saints of God, and I know all of you ain't turned like that, but, see, that's where it all changes. With the Holy Ghost, He gives you power. He gives you strength, amen? I've been, I've been preaching this to my wife a little bit lately, trying to encourage myself. She said, you know, I know some people have a lot of willpower, amen? I remember my wife talking about this one time with one of her friends. I won't, I won't look at them or name them in here, amen? She's got willpower. Can I get an amen? She can turn down the stuff with peanuts and all that. I said, I said, honey, if it was me that had that allergy, it'd probably be burying me. Probably be cashing in. Because when they make these peanut butter pies, sister, that tempt me so much, amen, or I walk in down here at Double Quick and they got them big fresh Reese eggs laying up there, brother. Uh, she said, you have no willpower. She said, you're a diabetic. You ought to be able to walk. I said, you just don't understand. Amen. You see, you don't have my thorn. And I don't have your thorn. What tempts you may not bother me. Amen. I never did like the taste of alcohol. All them guys that talk about Brother Jerry, how good it is to get off when it was hot, Brother Keith. Oh, I can't wait to get home. And some of them didn't wait till they get home, got home and it got them in trouble. And crack open a cold one. And I'm always first to grab the mic. I got a big mouth. God give me that for a reason. And I said, I'm right there with you. I love an ice cold diet, Dr. Pepper. They said, shut it. You're running it for me. Shut up. They'll say, be quiet, cheeseburger. You're running it. Amen. And that's what I intend to do. Amen. Hallelujah. I've got a little, a little knack that I picked up years ago, brother. When they start talking, talking, I don't want to hear filth about good-looking women. I start bringing Whoopi Goldberg and so a few more into it. Amen. And it shuts them up. 
They said, you're running it for us. You see, saints of God, we have to be bold. We have to be willing, amen. We have to be able to walk out, amen, on the edge of the cliff and look over, amen, and realize, amen, that, I, that God may have me here for a reason, amen. He may be bringing me to this edge, amen, for a reason, amen. But God's got my back. I know that he's going to build a bridge. I know that he's going to make a way, amen, where there seems to be no way. My God makes a way. Amen. How many remembers that song the choir used to sing? Waymaker. Amen. See, girls, my memory ain't completely gone. Amen. My God's a waymaker. Amen. He'll make a way. Brother Dub, when there seems to be no way, my God builds a bridge and says, I brought you here, now cross. Amen. Or he'll part the Red Seas. He says, you know, I brought you this far. I'm not going to let you go back to Egypt. Amen. I brought you this far. I'm not going to let you. Turn back to sin. How many, how many times have you read about Egypt in the Bible? It's a representation of, of bondage, of slavery, of darkness, of sin. See, God did not bring you out to let you go back. He don't want us to take any. That's what backsliding means, to take backward steps, saints of God. And we don't want to do any. We want to press toward that mark. Press toward that mark for the prize of the high calling. Amen. Because he's called you. Don't, don't give me that line. Well, he ain't called me to do nothing. He ain't called me to do nothing but sit on this. No, uh -uh. you're all called to be witnesses. What is a witness? Anybody ever watch some of the old, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I, I remember dad watching Perry Mason and the old shows, you know, uh, about crime. and, and witness. How many knows what a witness is? A witness gets up and tells it all, don't they? Amen, they get up, that's right, and testify. Amen. We're all called to be witnesses. Amen. If you don't have that knack, if you don't have that power, if you don't have that boldness, pray. Amen. If you don't have what it takes to do what God's called you to do, but you feel that God's called you to do it, pray. Say, God, give me the courage. Amen. Give me the courage to turn down that Snickers bar, brother. God will give you the courage of whatever you face. You see, diabetes is a thorn in my flesh. When my sugar gets high, I get, I get sleepy. I can't control it. I get sleepy and lethargic, and I can't do anything. I can't function. I can't read. I can pick up my Bible, brother, and in seconds, I'm out. Amen. But see, I can't do what God's called me to do, but I know he'll give me strength. When man, man's medicines fail me, amen, my God will give me strength. They talk about willpower, amen. There is no stronger willpower than the power of the Holy Ghost, amen, than the will of the Father. And he said, it's not my will that any should perish, amen. That any, can I go a little further, should be destroyed. That any should be beat down, amen. That any, and he knows we'd be persecuted, amen, but we're not supposed to be downtrodden, brother. We're not supposed to let it beat us down so far that we, we can't get back up. We're not supposed to let it bring us to the point, amen, that we need three bottles of nerve medication just to make it to the day. Now, I'm not preaching on medication, amen. I, I need medication. I need, I need my heartburn pill. I need my blood pressure pill. But my God's greater than all that medication, my God's able. When I check that sugar and won't even want to register on the meter, I don't know how many of you have ever experienced that. That's bad times. And I know that that, that shot ain't going to bring it down like I need. Who do I turn to? 
Amen. And I, yeah, it's causing my foolishness sometimes. Amen. But I turn to the rock. Amen. The one that is higher than I. The one that is higher than the people that makes the medication. The one that is higher than the doctor. Amen. That prescribes it. Amen. It's lead me. Lead me to the rock. Verse 35 says, I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak. Pray for the weak. Saints of God, it's not our job. You think God lets you know about Sister Sally sitting over here in the other pew just so you can talk about her, just so you can beat her down a little bit more. I'm going to tell you why God lets you know some things. Amen. I tell my family all the time, I want to hear things because I want to know that I hear it from God. Amen. I want to know. And I don't want to see the things on Facebook. I want to know that he's showing me the direction to pray. Amen. And when you hear these things and God shows you these things, pray. Don't talk about them. Pray. Don't beat them down. Lift them up. Amen. Don't persecute them because the world's going to do that for you. But lift them up. Amen. It's not our job to talk about them, but it's our job to pray for them. Amen. Hallelujah. I showed you all things, how so laboring you ought to support the weak, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have trouble with my memory sometimes. I remember mom putting these little old sticky notes everywhere. On the fridge, they were everywhere. Stupid old me, Brother Caleb. Here's a word for the wise. I made fun of her. I said, she's got her sticky notes everywhere. Dad said, yeah. He said, I believe she can hide her own Easter eggs. But you know what? I'm there, saints of God. It happens to us all. It's called, it's called age. Amen. Where I need my sticky notes. Amen. And there's nothing better you can stick around than the words of faith. Amen. The words that Jesus spoke. Amen. If you can't remember them, place them around on your mirrors. Amen. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing I'd rather see. You know, there's nothing like a clean house. Amen. But ain't nothing, Sister Joy, I'd rather see than notes and reminders stuck around on people's furniture, on their places where they pray. I've got a little Bible closet. It gets cluttered up sometimes, girls, but I have to go in and I have to clean it up. And I've got my little notes, my little scriptures, my little messages that God's given me down over the time, and I've got them placed everywhere. And if you know my wife, she's a neat freak. She don't like a mess. She don't like clutter. But she leaves my little prayer area alone. Amen. Because she knows that I need those things. Amen. She knows what the Word of God can do. Amen. When nobody else, when all, all your friends and all your family let you down, God will lift you up. Amen. His Word will encourage you. So he said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. How he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, I know we use that many times. And I believe that's the smallest part of it, brother, is talking about this offering. No, no, I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about being a witness. I'm talking about encouraging somebody in the Lord when they're down. Amen. I'm talking about some of you, sometimes you work, work friends. I've got a work friend. I put his name on the prayer list, and he's battling cancer. And I've never, per se, been through the battle of cancer like he has. Had a little spot on my back and just that word. I'm going to tell you, you think you're a big man all you want. Sit down in a doctor's office. Let them put their hand on your shoulder and say, now I found a place of cancer. And you'll melt. 
Because that's what Satan does to you. We can speak faith all day long. I can speak it to you. I can come up here and anoint you with oil and speak faith all day long, and I believe it. I really do. But, hey, you let it land in my lap, saints of God. You let it be thrown back on me. Amen. When, when, when the doctor tells me, hey, you've got cancer on your back. Amen. And immediately the devil starts putting doubt in your mind and fear overtakes you. I don't care who you are. You can, you can lie all you want to your friends and you can lie to mine, but you can't lie to me. Amen. Because I know what it does. Amen. But thank God they sent it off. And it was, they got the place. And it wasn't the fast growing or the bad kind. Sister Pam knows what I'm talking about. Fear will overtake you. Amen. But sometimes, just like was taught earlier, sometimes God brings you through something. Sometimes he's got you smack dab. And I'm going to be the first to tell you, Brother Eli, I don't understand the trials when I'm going through them. I don't understand why he's doing what he's doing, Sister Sabrina, when I'm in the middle of the trial. Amen. But when I come to the end, amen, and the doctor says it's nothing to worry about, she said, if you can have a good kind, this is the good kind. Amen. And I begin to rejoice right there because I know if I'm ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of me. And the next time might not be a good report. Amen. So I'm not ashamed of my Lord and Savior. I began to rejoice and I said, thank God. Thank God. Like the old song, he'll do it again. Amen. Brother McKinney and Sister McKinney used to sing that old song. He'll do it again. And time and time again, he's delivered. Amen. And I told, I took him a prayer cloth. My friend at work. And you know what's sad? This is the Bible Belt. Am I right? They say we live in the Bible Belt. There's people who has no idea what a prayer cloth is. And I told him, I said, these prayers, these cloths have been prayed over by faithful men. <laughs> That's important. Hey, Amen. You can look up anybody on the radio and anybody. And like I said, I'm not building me and Brother Caleb up. Hey, Amen. If Paul was the chief of the sinners, I've got him beat now, brother. Hey, Amen. If he was the worst with words, <laughs> I've topped him now, believe you me. I'm no eloquent speaker, but one thing I know that is when my Bible says it, Brother Jim, I can guarantee you it's so. And I told him the scripture in Acts that was printed on these as a 14 and 12, I believe it is. I said, here, this scripture that's on here tells you, amen, that men that are anointed of God, faith-believing, amen, filled with the Holy Ghost, have prayed over these cloths. Amen. These cloths ain't nothing else, amen, but a hanky. That's all they are, amen, until we pray over them and anoint them faith-believing. That is where the power is, amen. It's of God, amen, through His Holy Spirit. And I said they've been prayed over by our church, some brothers at church. I said, and God is a healer. Now, I can't tell you in every case that God's going to heal. What's the Bible say? Let's go back to it again. By your faith. Amen. See, I can't be saved for you. Seek out your own soul's salvation with fear and with trembling. Amen. So I can't be healed for you. Amen. I can't go to heaven for you. It's by your walk. It's by your faith. It's by your testimony that you're an overcomer. Amen. And by the blood of the precious Lamb of God. Hallelujah. He's made me an overcomer. 
The rest of this verse says, And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many remembers the day you came to the Lord? How that you felt, how blessed, how light you felt. Well, it's talking about it right here. It's more blessed to, to share that, amen, than it was the day that you receive it, amen. I believe that, hallelujah. 36 says, and when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down. <laughs> See, that's the first thing you do when you're saved, and that's the last thing you ought to do before you go to bed. That ought to be the first thing that you do, and I'm preaching to myself. When you work long hours and you're tired, it's hard to do. But Brother Keith, there's something about, I can lay on my back and pray, and it's all good and fine. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, there's something about Brother Caleb when I force myself to kneel by that bedside. Amen. My back and my knees may be a hurting, amen, from that loader all day. Amen. But when I force myself to get down on my knees and get to business, I believe God honors that. I believe he moves. Amen. I do. I believe he'll honor that. Amen. I've heard it talked about and preached about about men and women of God whose knees were calloused from so much time they spent calling out for their family. That's why I've said before and I'll say it again. When you see somebody up here praying, they may well be. We don't peck them on the shoulder. What are you praying about? Now, if they're seeking for the Holy Ghost, yeah, we get down more one-on-one with them. Saints of God. But I don't go pecking everybody on the shoulder, Brother Jim. What are you praying about? No, I don't need to do that. You see, he just may be praying for my family. Amen. Our sister Sally over here, amen. There she goes again. Amen. See, I've, I've heard it, ain't you, Brother Keith? Sadly, there she goes again. And they start whispering, she may be praying for you for your family, for your salvation. Amen. God may have showed her something on down the road. Amen. There was going to be a thorn in your flesh. And she may be praying for you. I'm going to tell you right now, If you ain't got nothing to pray about, you hit your knees up here for me. I'll take every single prayer that you pray. And I'll never get mad or offended at you. Amen. Because prayer is what keeps us together. Prayer is our foundation. Amen. Not just getting us started, but every day. Amen. Not just the day that you repent, but every day of your life. Prayer is detrimental. Amen. It is the foundation move on and I know that I'm not going to get through this but that's all right, Amen because I feel like God is already moving in this place. He's already wanting to do some things. Amen. I believe He's already begun begun a work in you. Amen. Those that God prayed for, you stand on it. Amen. Stand on the word. Amen. Faith believing. Hallelujah. Psalms. I'm going to go to Psalms next. Maybe if I can rein myself in just a little bit. Psalms 24, verse 4. Listen, this is the prayer that God hears. 24 and 4 of Psalms says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Now, it ain't about the rubbing the mud and the grease and the muck off from the day. The coal dust, that ain't what he's talking about. But he's talking about lifting up clean and holy hands and a pure heart before God. Amen. You see, uh, 
Just like the Word of God says, I have to ask God daily because sometimes I'm just flesh and blood and I slip up every day. Amen. When you see somebody that say they have no sin and they've done no wrong, Brother Keith, I'm going to tell you what God calls them. He calls them a liar. We've all sinned and fallen short. Amen. And sometimes it's good to confess those sins. Sometimes it's good to say, God, amen, forgive me, amen. Because sometimes even my mind, if it don't make it out through your mouth, amen, you can sin in your mind and in your heart. Do you believe that, saints of God? Say, God, forgive me. I thought about so-and-so, and I was wrong. <laughs> she was praying for me. Amen. Forgive me, God, because I thought this about old Joe Blow down the road. I thought, I thought he didn't have no life. Amen. I thought he didn't have no walk with you, but I was wrong. He was praying for me. Amen. Lifting up clean hands ain't always, and I know we're apostolic, and I know we believe holiness. I'm going to tell you, I'm probably about as old-fashioned on that as it gets. Amen. But saints of God, it ain't always about the outward appearance. Somebody can come through those doors that look like they ain't bath in a month. Amen. But be full of the Holy Ghost and have a heart that is on fire with God. They may not smell like you and I, like you and I still smell, saints of God, but I'm telling you that does not matter. Amen. They may have a prayer life that makes mine and yours look, look pitiful. Amen. Hallelujah. So quit judging a book by its cover. Amen. And I'm not preaching on against holiness there. I'm telling you that, that everything that, that, that looks like, amen, what you think it is ain't always what it is, amen. They may have a prayer life that'll make mine and yours look, look pitiful, amen. Saints of God, they may lift up holy hands because they've got a clean heart and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity. Now look what the first thing it lists is. It wasn't murder, was it? It wasn't thieving, was it? I've heard many times, and I've been guilty of saying it in the past. I hate a thief. Be careful what you say. Be careful the words that you're spewing out. Because once they're out there, you can't bring them, especially on a CB radio, brother. You can't bring them back. Amen. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O God of Jacob. How many remembers that song? Give me clean hands. Give us clean hands. I, brought, I thought about that song. Listen to this. And I'll be coming to a close right here shortly. Lord, it says, give us clean hands. And pure hearts. We bow our hearts. We bend our knee. Oh, Spirit, come. Make us humble. I want to be humble before the Lord, don't you? I want to be humble before my friends at work. You see, we don't always. It's just something I battled for years. I always thought I had to get the, the last word in. Always thought I had to be the one. And I'd brag on myself. I've done it before many times, brother. I said, I can burn them up and never say a cuss word. And I did. I said, I can smoke them, Brother Jim, and never say nothing nasty. But was I right in doing it? I always thought that I had to have the last word. It didn't matter to me if it was the boss or what. If he started cutting on me, I could, I could burn him up. But thanks to God, that's nothing to brag about. God wants us to be long-suffering. 
He wants us to be humble. Amen. And how, how are they going to receive anything from us if that's all they ever hear? If that's all they ever hear was old, was old brother cheeseburger. Amen. I'm smoking them. I'm burning them up. But see, I need to be reaching them. I need to be reaching them more. Now, I'm admitting this to you. I need to be reaching out more than what I do. I need to be not worried about being burned up or having my, you know, having my old flesh, you know. You know how you get red-faced, you know, sometimes? Yeah, when somebody gets you good. Don't worry about that. I need to reach out to them more. Amen. I need to say, you know what? That's all right. I still love you. I need to be more humble like it's talking about. This is the generation of them that seek him. That seek his face, O Jacob. Listen, so give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands and pure hearts. Not lifting up my name. Amen. Not building up my character or my ego. Amen. It's not important. Amen. But lifting up him should be all that we're worried about. Should be the only name we're worried about. If they never remember, if y'all want to come and get a song, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. Amen. But I'm bringing service to an end. Amen. But if you never remember my name, Brother Dwayne McCoy, I pray that you remember, and I pray that my friends at work remember one thing, that I'm a Jesus man, that I love Jesus Christ with all of my heart. Amen. And that I always show that love. You see, you can say and you can proclaim and you can tell people you're a lot of things. But are you showing it? Amen. I mean, remembers those saying, I'm from Missouri. Seen it on the back of a, of, a, of a license plate one day. And I asked my dad. I used to have a lot of questions from my dad. So, Lakey, that's who you take it after. Everything I see and I read, I ask him. Some of it wasn't worth repeating. I seen on the back of a tailgate. Missouri, the show me state. Whether it's right or whether it's wrong, he always gave me an answer. I seem like my dad knew it all, brother. Amen. But I'm not from Missouri. Amen. But I'm in a show me state of mind. Don't tell me you're a saint of God. You son of Micaiah, but prove it to me. Show me you're a child of God. Amen. Show me the life you live. You should never have to tell someone, Brother Keith, I'm a Christian. They ought to know it. I've seen people point out my daughters before my wife and say, I can tell they're a child of God. Amen. Because we act differently, not just because of the dress. That goes along with it. I told you before, I believe it with all of my heart. Amen. But being holy on the inside. You see, the dress is just the appearance, I should say. It's just a minute part of being holy. Amen. If you're holy, it starts on the inside. Just like salvation starts right here in the heart. Amen. Then it works its way through your mind. Amen. In every avenue of your life, it'll clean up your mouth. Amen. It'll clean up your eyes. You won't desire to set the same things before you anymore. You won't desire to go the same places. So tell me, if you're still hanging out with the same crowd, you're telling me a lie. You don't have to say a word. If you're still desiring to go to the same places, I can tell you that you're not truly, completely saved. You're not full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I pray right now. Amen. I've told you the truth. With all that is in me. Amen.
and I cleanse my hands. Amen. But I'm telling you right now, what's on your hands? When you lift your hands before the Lord, amen, and you pray, are you lifting up clean hands and a pure heart? Amen. Only you and God can answer that. I'm going to open this altar up. And I think every one of us ought to be here. That's my opinion. Because I think every one of us are human. We've got things that we can shed. We've got, I've told you about some of mine that I'm trying to do better. I'm working on, like the little song used to say, he's still working on me. Hallelujah. And I know that there's everybody in this room that has family, lost loved ones. So if you've got everything right with God, pray for them. If your family's all good, pray for mine. Hallelujah. And if you have nothing better, pray for me. God bless each and every one of you. As they sing.